It's been a year. As we sit here in the garage studio, it has been exactly one year since Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, and seven others died in a helicopter crash. It has been the most difficult of years, grappling with the pandemic, social and political unrest, and too much death. In Los Angeles, inspired by the Mambo mentality, a city has dealt with the uncertainty and obstacles the best it could. The Dodgers and Lakers have brought us joy by winning their respective championships, and our own crew here at Sports Stories is still going strong. I'm a Venice, California-born, Los Angeles-based sports fan, one that has played, coached, announced, and promoted sports my whole life. My love affair with sports started in my own backyard and has led me to this podcast. Thanks to the support of the Amateur Athletic Union in East Bay, I'm excited to bring you Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Hello, sports historians, and welcome to Video Audio Podcast, number 69 of Sports Stories with Denny Lennon, a specially edited Kobe episode, which will feature stories and guests from this past year, sharing their memories of the five-time NBA champion, the Academy Award winner, and the girl dad. It's time to bring in the producer of this very special episode, Marley Rice. Hi, everyone. So we wanted to open this Kobe series uh, with two of our introductions that we did with two of our favorite girl dads, my favorite girl dad, my dad, Scott Rice, and Lakers studio host, Chris McGee. So one of the intros was the day after me and you visited the Mm -hmm. Kobe tribute um, at LA Live, which was spectacular. Mm -hmm. And the second one was after you got to attend the Celebration of Life. Uh, Two of my favorite intros we've ever done, uh, tear jerking. So sit back and enjoy as we bring you our past year remembering the legend himself, Kobe Bryant. On Sunday, January 26, 2020, NBA legend Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, and seven others died as the helicopter they were in crashed in Calabasas, California, en route to a youth basketball competition. The 41-year-old Bryant, who was drafted out of high school and played all 20 years of a stellar basketball career for the Los Angeles Lakers, was a complicated man. I never had the chance to meet or interview Kobe. I did, however. Meet and interview another ex-Laker great, one who was instrumental in Kobe's career and life, who was also a complex and cerebral person, the Hall of Famer Jerry West, the logo of the NBA. I met Jerry West when I was eight years old in 1972, the year he and the LA Lakers finally won an NBA title. The Lakers practice at nearby Loyola Marymount College, thanks to the connections and kindness of my godfather, Dick Gass. 44 years later, I had a chance to spend half the day and then interview the 80-year-old Wes at a school on April 14, 2016, the day after Kobe had dropped 60 points in his final game. Wes, then a consultant for the Golden State Warriors, did not attend Kobe's final game. He was up north watching what he noted was a team accomplishment as the Warriors won their 73rd game of the regular season, an NBA record-breaking achievement. West is as great in the front office building championship teams as he was on the court when he's one of the best players of all time. Number 44, Jerry West, who remains in great shape both mentally and physically, talked about Kobe's last game with me that day. 
Kobe took 50 shots, he asked me. Give me 50 shots and I'll drop 100. Hilarious. That's the type of competitive drive that mirrored the same drive he recognized in a young Kobe Bean Bryant in 1996. Yes, it was in 1996 one Laker great identified a future Laker great. As general manager of the Lakers, Wes only needed a few minutes of watching the then 17-year-old Kobe work out at the YMCA in Inglewood, which, incidentally, is only three miles away from where we record sports stories. Wes figured out a way to draft the youngster and also managed to bring Shaquille O'Neal to the Lakers, launching another great era in Los Angeles. Despite both Shaq and West eventually heading to different franchises while Kobe stayed with the Lakers, they both spoke of their love for Kobe in the aftermath of the recent accident, as did so many fans. As a longtime Laker fan myself, I marveled at Kobe's ability and determination, his knack for willing his team to victory. He was my son's favorite athlete, once breaking out a 360 dunk while we watched in amazement from the 300 section at Staples Center. I also recognized that he was not always the best teammate. He married young and made a grave mistake as a 24-year-old in 2003 and was on the verge of leaving the Lakers in 2004 before West talked some sense into him. In the final tally as a player, he racked up numerous accomplishments, including five NBA championships. But it was the post-NBA Kobe that I, like many, truly marveled at. He not only managed to win an Academy Award for his animated short film, Dear Basketball, but he found out something that so many of us know, that being a parent, and in his case, a girl dad, is a reward on another level. Kobe made his biggest play after he finished playing. He, like always, led by example. A father of four girls, he now had a chance to be attendant to his girls and supported them in the public place where so many of us congregate, the world of youth sports. His oldest, 17-year-old Natalia, is a volleyball player. Next up was Gianna, a promising basketball player. He was calm when he coached, gracious towards fans, and tried his best to be a respectful sports dad. He used his position to advocate for women's sports, be it collegiate or professional. ESPN sportscaster L. Duncan told her emotional story of meeting Kobe, setting off the hashtag girl dad social media explosion. If you've not seen the report, do yourself a favor and look it up. The piece hit as close to home as something could hit. I'm a proud girl dad, and fortunately, I was able to coach my own daughter for years. As a dad, I know that if you do it properly, you can teach life lessons through sports. As a coach, I have also been lucky enough to work with many people's daughters for 35 years. I've coached boys who've become men, and they are proud to be called girl dads. Kobe was right. He said what all his dads know. Girls are the best. When the news came in that Sunday that Gianna and two of her teammates were on board, that hit the hardest for me. While I did not normally or ever use a helicopter for commuting to games, I did commute often with young athletes all over Los Angeles. You become close over long drives, over hanging out, before and after games, and through competing together. I thought about guests I've interviewed for this podcast just in the last few months who are proud girl dads, like AAU President Roger Gowdy and his daughter, Taylor, Super Bowl champ Peter Bulware and his three girls, and a soon-to-be-published episode with Laker broadcaster Chris McGee, who has two daughters, Millie and Luca. I reflected on many of the young athletes and their families, and that it's sad that something like this has to remind us how fortunate we are to have these special times with our children. 
Among the many young athletes I've coached is a group of five sisters, Ryan, Jordan, Marley, Avery, and Darren Rice. They now range in ages from 34 to 23, but I had the chance to coach them when they were about the same age as Gianna Bryant and her teammates. I've known their girl dad, Scott Rice, for close to 20 years. On the Thursday after the crash, I visited the fan-generated memorial at LA Live across from the Staples Center with my daughter, Sienna, and Scott's daughter, Marley. It was overwhelming, and the part of it that resonated with me were the emotion tied to the most important part of Kobe, of him being a father. So this introduction's not easy, uh, most of all because it ties into being a husband and a father. Kobe was doing both of those especially well when he died on January 26th. The last public memorial I attended in Los Angeles was about 10 years ago, uh, 2010, and it was for another basketball legend, UCLA coach John Wooden. That, of course, was expected given that coach was 99 years old. Uh, this, of course, was not expected. Kobe was only 41. I coached basketball in both middle and high school for over 35 years. Uh, Marley was on a few of those teams. And there are two things that all my teams knew. Who was the greatest coach ever, Marley? John Wooden. Yep, and the greatest pro franchise ever? The Los Angeles Lakers. That's right. Um, so for as long as I can remember, I've loved the Lakers. As a child, I followed that 1972 team that won the NBA championship, the first for the franchise in Los Angeles. As a teenager and into my years as a young adult, it was the Showtime Lakers. Winning five NBA championships in the 1980s. And then as a family man, it was the Kobe Lakers who won five more titles in the 2000s. Between 1980 and 2010, the Lakers played in 16 NBA Finals and won 10 championships. This city is a Lakers city. It was exactly because I'd become a husband and a father as Kobe rose to stardom in the pros that I had conflicted and complicated feelings about Kobe. By the late 90s, Kobe was my son Vaughn's favorite player. Vaughn wore number eight and played imaginary games on the backyard hoop. Vaughn and I watched Kobe pull off a 360 dunk at Staples. My wife Christine and I would yell at the TV and plead with Kobe to save us and pull out another victory for their Lakers. But how is it that this player, as great as he was, had millions in this city mourning and paying tributes across the Southland? It's unlike anything this city's seen. The 20,000 mourners that assembled yesterday to line up and enter into Staples for the memorial were dressed like they were going to a playoff game, but they were solemn and respectful and everybody was feeling together. The scene was surreal, especially with the helicopters hovering above. Bill Plasky is a columnist for the LA Times. He'll tell you this is a Laker town. Plasky is the voice of LA when it comes to sports. Uh, he's been named sports columnist of the year seven times, and he has a handle on just how important the Lakers are to LA. Plasky wrote two articles recently, one on Sunday, the day before the memorial, and one today, the day after. Plasky wrote, what is it about Kobe Bryant's loss that affected so many different people so dramatically? Far from the type of icon normally mourned by millions, Kobe Bryant was but a basketball player. Maybe it's because, for better or worse, over nearly a quarter of a century, this basketball player was ours. For a generous portion of our lives, Bryant reflected the city's work ethic, mirrored its toughness, mimicked its drama, matched its glitz. He set an NBA record by playing 20 years for one team in one town, the most popular team, and he did so with a narrative arc that was equal parts Hacienda Heights and Hollywood. 
He represented something for everyone because he was human as anyone. The most famous frailty-ridden sports star in the city's history. And together, we rode his wave. Inside, Staples looked like it never looked before. The 24 by 24 foot stage, the roses, the lighting, it was all just right. Uh, the speakers of the event were spot on. And what came through most was a tribute to Kobe as a man after he retired. The girl dad was to me a more impressive man than he was a basketball player, and that is saying something. Most impressive of the speakers was Vanessa Bryant. I go back to Plasky, who wrote in today's uh, LA Times. For two decades, Kobe Bryant owned the Staples Center Court with courage under pressure. For seven minutes Monday morning, Vanessa Bryant did the same. Where he once amazingly flew, she stood strongly still. Where he once pumped a fist in triumph, she clutched a tissue in survival. But with the same determined grace her late husband repeatedly showed in virtually the same midcourt spot she stood, she pushed through the pain to share intimate stories of laughter and love. Earlier in their marriage, their relationship endured a tough time that included Brian's public confession of cheating, a sexual assault charge that was eventually dropped, and a divorce filing by Vanessa that was later withdrawn. To hear her speak of him in such glowing terms was powerful and healing. It completed the narrative that Brian's life had a fulfilling second chapter. It delivered a compelling message about the strength of forgiveness. I was moved by Alicia Keys playing Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata, a song Kobe taught himself to play for Vanessa. That's just incredible. Um, Alicia, who grew up without a father in Hell's Kitchen, made a beautiful statement without uttering a word. I was also inspired by Oregon's uh, women's basketball player, Sabrina Ionescu. Um, Kobe and Gianna had forged a really close relationship with her. She gave a very moving tribute, and part of what she said was this, I want to be part of the generation that changed basketball. Where being born female didn't mean being born behind. Where greatness wasn't divided by gender. Then she pulled an ultimate Kobe. Sabrina, emotionally drained and ignoring the fact that she had the flu, hopped on a plane for Stanford, notched her NCAA record 26 career triple-double. She also became the first ever collegiate player, no gender division here, to record 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 1,000 assists in a career. I'm going to conclude with another quote from the great Bill Plasky. In retirement, his impact didn't diminish, it only changed. He was still here steal that wallpaper. Only now, his competitiveness was not only about winning basketball games, but improving the world. He became a champion of women's empowerment, an anonymous philanthropist. In losing him, Los Angeles lost a bit of its soul. And so we grieve, and we remember. And perhaps, through this pain, we will grow. Yeah, that was something nobody nobody will ever forget. I mean, not here in Los Angeles, not anywhere. It was really emotional time in L.A. Yeah, it was. You know, I was listening to the radio this morning, and they were saying there was so many murals of Kobe in L.A., but not just in L.A. There was probably 300. Uh, there was hundreds in other countries around the world, which just shows you the impact that Kobe's had on everybody in this yeah. entire world. Absolutely. You know, that's interesting because our uh, next guest is a Canadian, and uh, yeah, I think we is. interviewed him uh, virtually. 
on our live show. Yeah, so our next guest uh, that we have pulled some footage of Kobe uh, is Wesley King. And Wesley King and Kobe collaborated on the book, The Wizenard series, that you've read, Denny. Mm-hmm. Um, highly recommend it. Uh, if you haven't yet read it, I suggest you go purchase it and support Kobe and uh, Wesley King. So here is a little snippet of the interview we had with Wesley King. I was born the first year at UCLA won a national championship. And, you know, and by the time I was six or whatever, I just loved me some Bill Walton. And I, I followed, you know, Lou Alcindor into Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because I knew he was from UCLA. I followed all the UCLA players. Love the John Wooden stuff. That All of those are really are so much of John Wooden's maxims and philosophy that come yes. from his upbringing in the Midwest, right? And it speaks so much to doing what you can control, a person of character, that effort. And it really came through in this book. And I was wondering, you know, what coaches influenced your writing and Kobe's writing? Yeah. So, and Kobe, yeah, John Wooden was a big influence on him as well. Um, And then, of course, we had, you know, the Phil Jackson for so many different reasons, but also this this focus on mindfulness. You know, the players, uh, they spend time just staring at a plant and watching it grow. There was a lot of mindfulness exercises and and meditation things of which Kobe was a huge um, ardent proponent of as well, visualization, things like that. So he was bringing in all these elements from his coaches. Um, and then, you know, sort of packaging these high level things with me. And then we would sit and we would hash out um, again, how to, how to, the role of be Wizenard, the, the sort of, he's the, the magical coach of the series yeah. and he's a bit of a, a concoction, a bit of a mishmash of all of these coaches and of Kobe himself. And, and so he's sort of this wise character spouting this out, uh, whereas the kids are perhaps the real world kids. And, and to get that authentic voice, you know, I went to inner city Philly and to Camden, New Jersey, and I met with these kids in AAU programs, kids from heavily, um, so sort of from impoverished areas, high levels of incarceration. Uh, this one team I was with, a lot of their parents, there was not, you know, there was not two parents at home. And so we got a real authentic look at what their voices were like, so that it wasn't just sort of this, you know, throwing out um, these sort of values to these eager young kids, because there would be pushback. You can't just tell, as you, as you know, a coach yourself, um, every kid takes these things differently. And, and we want to reflect that and make this authentic. The one that really kind of touched me was every human is born to change the world. Unfortunately, some are changed by the world first. Um, I, I don't know if those are your words or his, but can you tell me a little bit about that? That's that's That seems to really hit a chord. Yeah, so I came up with all the Proverbs, uh, but not all of them passed the Kobe test. <laughs> certain ones um, didn't resonate with him. Certain ones were tweaked to reflect his values. He, he loved the Proverbs. Um, that wasn't something we discussed. I had written the draft a few times, and then I thought, geez, it, you know, something was missing. I wanted some sort of summation of these and that's what these proverbs in it and he loved them uh which was great and and that one was one that was never disputed never talked about we, we both like that and it's perhaps less um outwardly motivational than some of the other ones um mm-hmm. but i like it because it reminds us a little bit uh, that we perhaps even if we're one of those ones who have been changed that we can change ourselves back so um the idea being that humans are inherently good, that we all have the, the opportunity to affect positive change. These were fundamental values of Kobe's. Um, and that's one of the things he loved about kids' books is let's get these messages to kids 
Um, let's teach them that they can do anything. Let's teach them to believe in themselves and, and let's try and change them before the world can change them was sort of this, this mission of this book. What did you learn from Kobe? Oh, my, that's a great question. And I learned so much. Um, you know what I learned the most of all from Kobe? So when I thought of Kobe, I thought of this big basketball player, which he was. And uh, Kobe, of course, had everything going for him. But you know what he really thought was the most important thing in the entire world was his family. He was such a good dad. So I learned that no matter how much money you make, no matter how much celebrity you get, the most important thing in your life is your family. And that's what he taught me. Well, clearly, Wesley was inspired by Kobe, um, who inspired so many. So next up is another author. It's a New York Times bestseller, Jeff Perlman. And he was great. Uh, virtual interview as well on one of our live shows. Yes, he was. He wrote the book uh, Three Wing Circus, which mm -hmm. is probably my favorite Laker era. That's yep. what I grew up in. He also wrote, wrote Showtime, which Showtime. is your favorite Lakers. Uh, this book was about Shaq, Kobe, Phil, and their dynasty in Los Angeles that kind of brought us the light in, in the Los Angeles area. Yep. Um, and so here it is with Jeff Perlman, um, another little snippet of his interview with Denny. Enjoy. One of the things I want to talk to you about a little bit was when um, Kobe goes to that ABC decamp yeah. for Sonny Baccaro. And he really shouldn't have gone because he wasn't like he was at a private school in Philly and he, and he wasn't one of the top 120 considered players or whatever, but because his dad jelly bean had played pro and knew Sonny Baccaro, he was able to get him into that camp. I mean, to me, that kind of changed the whole arc of Kobe because he very well could have ended up at LaSalle or something like that. Also, there are just a lot of kids out there whose parents will say, my kid's really good. Can you get it? Can you get him in? My kid's really good. Can you get him in? He averaged 22 in his blah, blah, blah team. And they stink. You know, like, <laughs> it's like, oh, there's this kid. His his dad is blank. You know, some NBA journeyman. Danny Shays' son is a really good player. <laughs> yeah. Get him. And you're like, wait, he's not really that good. So it was, first of all, the Sonny Vaccaro, for all he knew, this guy was going to be terrible. You know, like the only thing he knew is, Jellybean Bryant was a really good player as a young guy. He played in the NBA, and Sonny Vaccaro decided to do him a favor, but he didn't know. I mean, Kobe Bryant was stashed away in Italy for all those years, and he, should, yeah. you know, he shows up in America wearing volleyball knee pads for basketball. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. all he knew. So it was a big leap of – I mean, it wasn't a huge leap of faith. If he sucked, he sucked, and he just moved on with life. But there was no reason to think this kid was going to be any better than any other kid whose dad is excessively bragging about him. probably learned an important lesson about – uh, discretion and doing things, you know, in your own best interest by keeping that to himself. The fact that he was going to sign that deal, the fact that he was going to go pro, he still took all his college trips. Yeah, it's very interesting. He knew the whole time. He visits Duke. He knows he's not going to Duke. He uh, he just knew. And it's interesting. Talk about discretion. Sonny Vaccaro from Adidas would always send a rep to Kobe's high school games, but he would not go to the high school games. Right, right. Because he didn't want anyone else to know that he was this interested. And one thing I found really interesting, I talked to Sonny about it, is um, the name Kobe Bryant added something to this mix. Like, I said to him, if his name was, you know, Joe Smith, Joe Stevens, would the sneaker deal have the same appeal? And he's like, you know, I never thought about that, but probably not. Yeah. Something about the name, the mystique of the name Kobe Bryant that added something to it all, you know? Did... um. It seems to me that after his first year or his first contract ran through with Adidas, you never heard about Sonny Vaccaro being connected to Kobe Bryant again. Like, you always kind of heard something about maybe I, – I, 
What happened? Like, well, what, basically, what? I mean, Sonny Vaccaro was basically the guy who hooked you up with the deal and then kind of moved on. In a way, he was like okay. the closer. It's like John Lo John Lovitz's character in A League of Their Own. He finds you, he brings you, and then, you know, he moves it. By the way, the most underrated sports movie of all time. I love it, yes. By far, the most underrated sports movie of all time. Look who just caught up. <laughs> yes. It was that great movie. Oh, that one was so good. John Lovitz owned it. John Lovitz owned that movie. He was so good. Um, that was good. Yeah. No, but he was like, he was kind of the deal maker, you know, and he was the one who got, who hooked up. Okay. Run. And he really, to his credit, he viewed Kobe Bryant as the Michael Jordan for Adidas. Like, this is going to be our guy. Yeah, he did. And the problem was the sneakers were terrible. Okay. They were ugly. He had a, his first sneakers look like toasters. If you look at Kobe Bryant, it looks like he's wearing <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. And nobody, you know, I inter we have this one show we do on Wednesdays where I kind of put the spotlight on top prep athletes. Yeah. And one of the – I always ask them, like, what's your shoe, your go-to, if you're going out? And all, all of them, Air Jordans, like, all Air Jordan. Air, so that's their throwback. Not one of them has ever said – no, I got a vintage Kobe Adidas. I actually think we're coming to the point now, in the same way kids play Madden and don't know that John Madden is a thing. Like, they yeah. don't know there was this coach named John Madden. All right. I think we're getting closer and closer to the point where people don't necessarily know Michael Jordan was this amazing basketball player. <laughs> they know first, yeah. before they learn that, oh, yeah. there's huge called Jordans, you know? Yeah, it's true. Like, did, I don't know if you know this, but George Foreman boxed. Did you know George Foreman was a, he was a boxer? Like in the ring? Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't just for cooking bacon. I was always a big LA Times sports reader. Like I would, before I get, had to get to work, I'd always go get breakfast and bring that. And that was big. When Shaq was in town and then Phil, it was the best newspaper ever. Because sometimes you had to like decipher what they were saying. Other times they come straight out and say it. But it must have been a glory time to be a reporter. I mean, Shaq say with things like, you know, if you don't, if you don't give the dog his biscuits, he's not going to guard the front porch. Right. You would be like, okay, Kobe's got to pass him the ball. And then Phil would say these things that were just, wow, that did, had no subtlety whatsoever. Like, it well, was, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I just like, it was a great time. Well, what I love is um, I interviewed a ton of the writers from back then, Howard Beck and Jay Adande and Tim yeah. Brown. And it was like, they all kind of agreed in a weird way. You had to be a Kobe guy or a Shaq guy. Like you had to pick, who your guy was going to be for your source, and oh, it's a funny picture. You would think, um, <laughs> you would think, you would think that um, you would think that these two guys, these two superstars, would be very like in the face of each other and either you're very direct, but they weren't. It was super passive aggressive. So you go to you go to Shaq after game, and Shaq would be like in his deep voice, he'd be like, "Yeah, we played well, but it'd be better if someone didn't shoot twenty six times." <laughs> Well, then it'd be like, scurry, 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 and they'd all go over to Kobe. He'd be like, Kobe, Shaq said it'd be better if someone didn't. And he'd be like, yeah, well, it'd also be better if someone's fat ass didn't hug the paint the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Scurry, 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 scurry. It was like back and forth. The two biggest wimpy, passive-aggressive basketball players. <laughs> like, yeah. They're right. They're 15 feet apart from each other, not saying this to each other. But it was really fun. You know, it was really fun. What one question would you ask him if you got the chance? That's a great question. And no one has asked me that before. That's a great question. If I had Kobe Bryant and I could talk to him, obviously before he died tragically, and I could talk to him and sit down, I think what I really want to know, like really understand, is how how did he become so driven? Like, you know, we all have dreams in life, and I want to be I want to be a writer, and I'm sure you want to be whatever you want to be. What do you want to be in your life? Do you know? I want to be a brain. That's surgeon. That's amazing. Like you that. want to be a brain surgeon. 
I wanted to be a writer. And we all have these dreams. But what was it in him that made him chase it? So, like he wanted to be Michael Jordan. Like his dream was to be the greatest basketball player ever. And then he became it. Like everyone wants to be, so many kids want to be the, the best basketball player ever. Michael Jordan actually, I mean, Kobe Bryant actually became the best. And I would love to understand what really, really, really put that in him and how he became so driven and so hungry. Because I definitely don't have that, but maybe you do. That's a great question. That was a great question. Now, number two. Part of the book, Kobe and Shaq were constantly arguing who was the leader of the team. Now, this next question, probably not a lot of people okay. asked you. But in your professional opinion, who was a better rapper, Kobe or great Shaq? Question. Before you, Before you answer, my favorite line is, Cream your leg, cheese, spread you on my bagel, boom, shakalaka. That's awesome. Wait, so who do you think was the better rapper? I, you know, why don't you answer this first okay, and I'll give you an opinion. You know, you know, this is all about you. These are tough questions, so I, I, I respect that. I will tell you, I think Shaq was the better rapper. If you go back and look, Shaq did a song with Foosh Snickens called What's Up Doc? It's a great song. And then later, he did a song my son Emmett, who's 14, and I have, we have a hip hop playlist that's about six hours. And one of the songs we have on there is a song that Shaq did with Fife Dog from A Tribe Called Quest. It's one of the best songs on our playlist. So I will go Shaq. I do not think Kobe was a great rapper. He was a much better basketball player. What about you? I personally like Shaq. And the, um, the little line I read, that was yeah, also right. from Shaq. Awesome. Yeah, we're both Shaq fans, yeah. What's become pretty clear as the uh, star of sports stories is Alexandria. Totally. I mean, she kills it in those interviews. She's incredible. She is. Um, so finally, Jerry freaking West. <laughs> I mean, he came here. He, he, he came to the house. He did an interview right here in the garage studio. And what's interesting is we're only three miles yeah. from that Inglewood YMCA where he watched Kobe for the first time, shut down the interview, and went and made a deal to make Kobe a Laker. Yeah, it was cool. Our first intro, we had a bunch about Jerry West and the impact that he had on Kobe's life and vice versa. It's just kind of cool that we didn't even know or see that he would come to our studio and be one yeah. of our interviewers. Um, but here he is. He came to our garage studio and we got to sit down and interview Jerry West. And here's what he had to say about the legend Kobe Bryant. I think uh, there, there's one thing I want to ask you about. Uh, I, I think that's a well-told story about the Kobe workout and so forth. But I was wondering um, if there's anybody else you, sh you in effect, f felt like that for and in effect shut down a workout. I know Sonny Vaccaro would say, I gotta, I'm got i going to shut down this. I'm going to do a Jerry West and shut down the workout because I don't want him to know I'm interested or something. Anybody else you um, you felt like, okay, I got to no, go. I got to go make a deal. Just, you know, every once in a while you see a unique player, yeah. okay? And he was truly unique at an early age, very, very skilled. Uh, the obviously thing he needed was schooling and learning how to play in a system, and that wasn't uh, that wasn't his uh, uh, that yeah. wasn't what was going to be early for him. He needed a, a chance to play the game unencumbered with uh, Eddie Jones around, who I personally talked to Jerry Buss about and said we need to trade him because we cannot let Kobe Bryant sit on the bench anymore. Mm -hmm. And he agreed, and we did that, and his career took off and. Uh, he became the player that um, yeah. that people admire so dearly around the world. 
Pretty awesome having Jerry West come here. So I made it clear uh, who I think is like a voice of Los Angeles is Bill Plasky, the great award-winning columnist for the Los Angeles Times. Today, a year past, he has uh, wrote a great article. He starts it out, he just says, it's been a year now, and Kobe Bryant still comes to me in my dreams. Very interesting how he, he opened like that and then and then tells that story. But there's a couple of other things he writes about that are significant. Back to Plasky, he's still here. He still lives among us. He's in our daily struggles. He's in our personal triumphs. He's in our last-second defensive stops or buzzer-beating shots or wherever we require that Mamba mentality. Even amid a pandemic in which nobody is supposed to be anywhere, Kobe is everywhere. His last name is printed on jerseys that have become the city's unofficial uniform. His first name is in chants that suddenly break out among socially distanced friends. His face is on city murals that have become drive-by tourist attractions. Is it any wonder he would show up in the middle of our sleep? I mean, when Plasky talks there about uh, murals, we, we think of the picture that was in the L.A. Times today that we've covered about Jonas never putting up that mural of Kobe in downtown L.A. across from the convention center. You know, speaking of that area, finally Kobe recognized L.A. And he said to Plasky in his last interview, he said, a quote from Kobe, I feel such an appreciation. I can never pay the city back for what it's given me. Back to Plasky. A year after his death, his spirit continues to settle that debt. Kobe Bryant has left us. Mamba never will. So, Marley, it was in the aftermath of that Kobe and uh, Gianna and the seven others that died that you showed me the um, ESPN anchor, L. Duncan, and her report, which uh, was really impactful, brought us the hashtag girl dad, or at least it moved that whole thing forward. Um, and then you came up with the idea of interviewing your dad. Totally. So I'm part one of five, um, right. one, five girls. My dad is the ultimate girl dad. I like to say everyone thinks their dad's the best girl dad. And mm -hmm. I hope they all are to you. Um, and as much as I love hearing my dad talk, I wanted to put in the fun little interview at the end where you quizzed him on Kobe. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if he's the biggest Kobe fan cause he didn't get many of these, right? Nope. Uh, especially not the last one, man. Nope. But, um, but it was fun, and I really enjoyed interviewing my dad, and I really enjoyed putting this entire thing together. Uh, it was great memories back on this past year of who we've interviewed, all of our live shows. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed this, and we leave you with a fun little quiz with my girl dad, Scott Rice. I'll give you some Kobe trivia since we're celebrating Kobe as a father. So which do you choose? Um, I'm going to go with Kobe trivia. Okay. Glad you chose that, <laughs> considering we are celebrating him as a father. Yes. Are we ready? How many, uh, how many titles did Kobe win as number eight, and how many is number 24? Uh, three is eight, two is 24. Sick. What college would he have attended had he not gone straight to the pros by his account? Hope College, Holland, Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> what, that one or? Or... I don't know. He came out of Pennsylvania, uh, Pittsburgh. He would have gone to Duke. He loved Duke. him some oh, Coach okay. K. Yeah. Um, what is uh, Kobe's middle name? It's not Bean. It is. It is. Kobe okay. Bean Bryant. Very good. And um, what high school did he go to and what city? Uh, well, it was Lower Marion. Very good. And uh, so I'm, I'm Pittsburgh. Uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Oh, you're, you're right there. And – your bonus question to really top it off: Who was his prom date? 
Who was his prom date? That would have to be Vanessa. It was Brandy. Oh, that's right. right. Yes, yes that's why flashback. he was on Moesha all the time. Um, you got anything else you want to say to your daughters before we sign off? Uh, just that I love them and I'm, you know, just happy to be their dad. I was so proud of being a girl dad Yep. for, uh, for all the, the fun times that they had playing sports growing up. I mean, there's so many memorable times. Yep. Watch my girls play and, uh, you. you know, still today, just proud to have all these girls around me. Thanks, baby. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for watching and listening. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is produced by Christine Jinbo and me, Marley Rice. Directed by Chris M. Alport with studio support from Alpha Command Unit and shot by bad boy Bobby McCall. Original music courtesy of Lennon Music Production and original images courtesy of Sienna Lennon Photography. A big thank you to all of our contributors. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is a production of Sports Stories, Inc. You can find us on audio platforms everywhere and the High School Narrative iOS app. You can also view Denny's shows on Roku, Apple TV, and Fire TV. Make sure to press that subscribe button, give us a review, leave a comment. It will really help us grow the show. Hey, you know what else would help us grow the show? Hustle on over to patreon.com slash Denny Lennon to get some never-before-seen videos, pictures, interviews, and more. We are all over social media and constantly sending out clips on Facebook, conducting fun polls on Twitter, going live on Instagram, and more. To find all our social media links, hustle on over to sportstoriesdl.com. SSDL proudly supports the My Stuff Bags Foundation and the Heroes Movement. The My Stuff Bags Foundation, with the help of thousands of people across the country, provides children in unfortunate situations with new belongings and new hope through its innovative My Stuff Bags program. Heroes Movement is a nonprofit that bridges the gap from therapy to getting strong again through small group workouts for any veteran of the United States Armed Forces for free. Links to how you can support and help these foundations can be found on our website. We want to give a big thank you to our partners of the show. So, as Coach Lennon would say, any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me, Marley, at info at sportsstoriespodcast.com. Sports Stories thanks all of our followers and listeners. And we will, we will see, see you, you next, next time. time. Hey, thanks, Marley. Thanks, Chris. I go bananas. When I watch Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Every Thursday, my master tells me to shut up. I just go roof, 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 roof. Kick it out, book. <laughs>